0: College essays are very different than essays students are writing for school. This is really your chance to demonstrate who you are, how you think, what matters to you, and why.
1: Hi, this is Shlomo Salson, the host of the Teenage Impact Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and specific strategies on how you as a teenage kid can overcome any struggle in your life. I've interviewed almost 70 people from around the world, on what they have gone through, how they were able to overcome them, and how you can too. If you don't know already, I'm publishing and coming out with my very first book. It's called Never Fight Alone. It's going to be available in hardcover and ebook September 15th, coming out very soon. It's going to be a compilation of 51 inspiring interviews on how you can overcome your struggles and improve your mental health. I've interviewed a range of different people, people who have been sexually abused, have eating disorder, have bipolar disorder, who've been to jail, who's been, prof- who's been a professional athlete and have so much anxiety, people who have been suicidal, bullied, all sorts of struggles. And it's a book that's meant for you to realize that whatever you're going through in your life, you're not alone and that you should accept some of the challenges that you're going through, go get some help, and it gives you life-changing tips on what you can do to better your life. Click the link in the description to learn more about my book and type in your name and email to receive updates on when the book is going to come out and how you can purchase it. Today's podcast guest is Kathleen McCaffrey. Kathleen helps high school students cultivate interesting experiences and lead meaningful lives. She helps you carve a path so that things will be just a little bit easier and much more interesting without having to move across the world and do a whole lot of experimental learning. She helps high school students find their passions and get into their dream college. So give it up for Kathleen McCaffrey. Hey, Kathleen.
0: Hey, good morning
1: good morning we have Kathleen on the other line from California right?
0: Yes Los Angeles
1: Los Angeles Now Kathleen you you're helping a lot of students find your passion and helping them get into their dream college. What started you in this path?
0: Sure so I guess I've always been interested in education I've always been an educator I had. My first job when I was 13, working at the summer camp at my school um, as a teacher's assistant. And I just, even from then, you know, I was teaching like second and third graders art and math. And I just, I love helping people. I love seeing others like get that connection going from, you know, confused to figuring it out, building up their confidence. And I started off teaching SAT and ACT and GMAT prep which is important but you're just kind of teaching the same thing over and over again Um, and I had I was pretty successful doing that but I just found that when you're working with students and helping them kind of chart their own path and apply to college it's really meaningful work and also every student has a different story Mm -hmm. and you make a big impact I mean I have students who help them discover what they're truly passionate about. And that's going to change the trajectory of their career, of their future, of their whole life. And I just really enjoy getting to really build relationships with people and, and help them kind of figure out these hard questions that can be so overwhelming to handle on your own.
1: Mm -hmm. It's, it's so true because, you know, going back to being in high school I had no idea what I wanted to do. The only thing I knew I didn't want to do is I didn't want to go into anything that had to do with medicine or science. But it it can be quite um, daunting, especially trying to get into the college you want to go into and seeing that you might get rejected can be bad. But what age... Or grade does someone start preparing themselves to get into the college they want to?
0: So this might be a little bit shocking, but it's a great question. What I tell students all the time is that the college admissions process begins in ninth grade. A lot of parents and students don't start thinking about it until much later, but top colleges are evaluating everything you've done starting in ninth grade. So that's when you really want to start thinking about it. And I don't say this to be kind of create any stress, it actually makes the whole process a lot easier if you start in advance. So in ninth grade students just start figuring out what do they like? Like what classes have they taken that they just felt like this doesn't even seem like work. I just really enjoy doing chemistry experiments or I I love dancing, you know, try to figure out what you're really passionate about and then pursue that because you're going to need to build kind of a four-year profile and show like a deep, committed involvement in a few different interests and activities so that by the time 11th grade rolls around, you have all the building blocks in place.
1: Mm -hmm. I was rejected from uh, my college. I wanted to go to, well, my dream college was Harvard because I used to always get straight A's. But then later in high school, classes got harder. I I got good grades but not good enough but my SAT scores are super low. What do you tell someone who goes for college and then gets rejected?
0: Yeah definitely so I really believe that everything happens for a reason and that you know a big part of why I got into doing this work is that I actually applied to Stanford for a PhD program and I thought I worked so so hard I got a really high GRE score I spent months preparing. I was learning Arabic. I traveled to the Middle East to do research. And I thought, okay, I have a really great chance. And I got rejected. And I had no backup plan. And I was so devastated. But then I ended up moving to the Middle East. I ended up starting a company at 24 with no background in business. Like, I ended up having this amazing life. And I don't think any of that would have happened had I gone to Stanford and gotten a PhD. So I definitely don't think that there's like one perfect college for everyone. That's why I always tell students apply to 10. You know, you're probably not going to get into every college. The thing about, you know, schools like Harvard is that they reject perfectly qualified, amazing applicants all the time. There are way too many qualified applicants than there are seats at Harvard. But it doesn't so much matter because you can be successful I think regardless of where you go to college, of course, going to a college where you're going to build networks and, you know, do research with world-class professors is going to be helpful. But I truly believe if you have the drive and desire to succeed, you can succeed no matter where you go to school. So I always try to tell students, like, apply to a range of colleges. Don't just apply to only the Ivies or only the really selective ones. Pick eight, 10, or 12, where, that really resonate with you, that have the opportunities you want, and you could be equally successful mm-hmm. at any of them. So it, I try to tell students not to just get fixated on one college, because then you really kind of narrow and limit your options.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, going back to you saying, applying to eight to 10 colleges, each college application, I think the fee is what, 100 to $250. An application. About
0: seven, yeah, seventy-five to one twenty-five.
1: Seventy-five to one in that range. What if uh, income and money is an issue for someone?
0: There are fee waivers. You can get fee waivers through the Common App, especially um, if you are going to a public school and you have like free or reduced lunch. Your school counselor can uh, you can automatically qualify for fee waivers. Wow,
1: I didn't. And know. your
0: school counselor can help you. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: I, I wish I knew that when I was, when, I was there. <laughs> when you are trying to figure out your passion and you're trying to figure out what college you want to go to what process do you take high school students through to find out exactly what they want to do or in general terms what they want to do
0: definitely so it's a pretty involved process I meet with my students once a week for a minimum of six months. And we start by doing, we do like a Myers-Briggs personality test. So I always have students find out what kind of personality type are you? Like, are you introverted, extroverted? You know, finding out those characteristics can help because if you think you want to go into research, but you're, you thrive being around people, being in a lab all day alone may not be the best environment for you. So I think it's really important to figure out your personality type, you know, even though those categories are probably more rigid than than what it's really like. And then I have students do some journaling exercises on like, what would you do if failure were impossible?
1: <laughs>
0: that question I find really gets to the heart of what we really want. And oftentimes we kind of have the ideas called implanted dreams. So we take dreams from other people, from our parents, from society and tell ourselves, I really want to be a doctor, but maybe you actually want to be a choreographer. Maybe you want to travel the world and open a surf school in Costa Rica. Like we want to figure out what do we really want if you kind of remove everybody else's thoughts and expectations. And then we do like a dream map, kind of similar to a mind map and start really figuring out what you actually want Mm -hmm. um and it's like I said it's an involved kind of holistic process I meet with my students every week we go through journaling and writing I have them read and watch TED talks a lot of Brene Brown
1: I love Brene Brown
0: yeah she's amazing
1: you you bring up a good point because I remember uh 22 years old I was trying to figure out I was I was in that kind of Going into my fifth year in college, still not sure what I wanted to do. I picked management information systems because I was too far in. And that's the highest, the higher paying business job right out of college. And it was the wrong choice. And I read the book called Success Principles by Jack Canfield. And he says a lot of the things that you do you you look into the future. Uh, where do you see yourself if failure wasn't an option 15 to 20 years from now? And you write down exactly what you see without any judgment. And then based off of that, you work backwards. And you create goals based off of that 15 to 20 year vision.
0: That sounds very similar to what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a great great book I love as well by Sir Ken Robinson, who's a famous kind of educator. He's a great TED talk called The Element. And it's, he interviews all different people who just pursue their passion, regardless of what anyone said and are wildly successful. And I really do think like when you're pursuing what you love, you know, it's an intersection of what you're good at and what you love. Like I love dance, but I'm terrible at dance. So It's probably not the right career path for me, but I've made it a hobby instead. So you have to find that balance. Mm -hmm. And if you're pursuing something you don't like, just because you think that's how you're going to earn a lot of money or it's what your parents want, like, eventually, you're going to (laughs) snap and have to shift gears. So why not just pursue what you love from the beginning? Because Mm -hmm. so many people drop out of med school, drop out of law school, because it's really not what they want if it is what you want, that's great. And you should do that. But I think it's so important to try to find what you really love as early on as possible.
1: Mm -hmm. Another good book to kind of along with that personality test is strength strength finder 2.0. It's Gallup.
0: Strength finder. Oh, I have to write that down. I haven't heard of that.
1: Yeah. I read that. And, And he talks about kind of exactly what you're trying to say. Is seeing what you're good at and actually if you're building a business or working somewhere else you complement other people's weaknesses and strengths to go along with yours so if you are a visionary but you're not good at selling you get someone else that's good at selling and you're a visionary so you two can actually build like a big business stuff like that
0: I love that yeah. yeah, Elon Musk says um, he doesn't build the rocket ships. He just create, you know, comes up with the idea and the plan. And he also says he didn't go to Harvard, but he hires people who went to Harvard. So I think that's a great example of you, you know, you can fulfill one role. You don't have to do everything. You can work in a team. You can hire other people. You can still be successful.
1: What if someone? wants to take a gap year, or not sure if college is the right thing for them?
0: I'm a huge proponent of gap years. So I actually went to a gap year um, fair last year and met with people who run all of these interesting programs. Um, There's one called Semester at Sea where you can spend a year on a boat studying from professors and traveling all around the world. There are so many interesting gap year programs and I think it's really important if you're uncertain to take that time rather than go to college when you're not ready, you know, because then you're probably going to have to take a break, drop out, and it's going to be time consuming and expensive. you can take a year and travel and learn a new language or learn how to just be independent and live without your parents. I think it's so valuable. Um, in in Europe, it's very common for almost all students to take a gap year. So I, I hope that it becomes more common here because I do think it's really valuable and really important. It can help you figure out what you really want and get a break from like high school has become so intense, so competitive. Just to get you know a year a year out of that before going into school again could be really helpful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I interviewed Ed Lattimore. Uh, he's 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 an influencer on Twitter, really well-known, has over 100,000 followers. He went to college at 18, ended up dropping out, I think, the following year or the same year, then went into boxing. Then, you know, he was having involved with, like, alcohol. But then around his mid to late 20s, he went back into college, more focused, exactly knows what he wants to do. And when he went back into college, He did a much better job because he knew exactly what he wanted out of life. Versus freshman year, all he did was party.
0: Exactly. A lot of parents are worried that if their kids do a gap year, they're going to lose focus. They're not going to want to go back to school. But actually, research shows the opposite. Students who do a gap year perform better and graduate in less time.
1: Mm -hmm. Are there any websites out there? or recommendations to get scholarships?
0: I'm not an expert on scholarships, but what I always tell students is that there's a lot of aid from the colleges themselves. So never pay attention to the sticker price. Like, if Harvard, you know, total cost of attendance is $75,000 a year, it doesn't mean that that's how much you'd actually pay. What you want to do is go to bigfutures.com, which is connected with the College Board, and calculate something called your EFC. Your EFC stands for Estimated Family Contribution. This is a like a, how much money um, it's determined according to your parents' taxes that your family is able to afford for college. So say that your EFC is $8,000, your family is able to spend $8,000 a year on your college. Well, the schools you apply to, if they offer what's called need-based aid, are going to likely fill that gap for you. So much aid comes from the institutions themselves. Of course, you can also apply for outside scholarships, but depending on which colleges you apply to, it's likely that you'll be eligible for a significant chunk of aid from the schools themselves. Some colleges give better aid than others. Um, you definitely, if, you, if students Google Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E, Kent lists, She's a colleague of mine who every year compiles a spreadsheet of all the colleges that give need-based aid and what percentage of students get need-based aid and it's a great free resource.
1: Wow, Wow, that's incredible. I know back then, I think FastWeb was a scholarship website. I'm not sure not sure if that's still around. Um, FastWeb is one of them. There's so many different scholarships you can go out there. I was just never proactive, even though I needed the help. My family didn't make a lot of money. I got Bright Futures of Florida. It was a Florida-based scholarship, and I got financial aid. But just imagine, if you apply to, if you're in ninth grade or tenth grade, if you can just apply to, like, one scholarship a month and just make it that goal, even if you get just a couple scholarships out of applying to 20 or 30 scholarships, that's still better than nothing.
0: Definitely. It's definitely a process that you want to start in advance because I, every student I've ever worked with, I've worked with over 100 students, has always underestimated how much time this process takes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like It takes so much more time than you think it does. However much time you think, just multiply that by 10. Mm -hmm. and start in advance it will make everything so much easier like you said you can apply to one scholarship a month you can do one application a month rather than starting right when senior year is beginning and then it's just going to be really stressful you're pulling all-nighters and as a result your applications won't be as compelling or persuasive Mm -hmm. because you're stressed out you're rushed
1: Mm -hmm. and community college colleges they're not as what's the correct word, sexy, to go to. Um, what is your recommendation?
0: Yeah, so I think it really depends on you, on, on you, your preferences, your family. I think every student has a very different path. Um, if finances are an issue, community, going to community college for two years and then transferring to a private college or like a larger state school could be a great option. Um, In California, we have something called the TAG program, Transfer Guaranteed Admission. What this means is that you can start out at a community college and then you can select um, one of the UCs like UC San Diego or some private colleges like Pepperdine participate as well. And if you maintain a certain GPA and take certain classes, you're guaranteed admission at that college after two years. So this is an amazing program that a lot of students don't actually know about because then you're you're guaranteed a spot at Pepperdine or UC San Diego and you spend your first two years at community college just getting all those core requirements out of the way. Mm -hmm. So an option like that um, definitely financially would save you quite a bit of money. And if you're, I mean, you do need to be pretty sure about what you want to study because you have to take certain required classes. I would say the downside of community college is if you're not really sure if you want to go to college, community colleges, you're going to have a lot of older students. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a lot of other students who maybe are unsure whether a four-year college is right for them. I would say the motivation level could be lower. It really depends on you, how motivated you are, and what the reason is that you're thinking about community college. If you're just not sure if college is right for you, taking a gap year might be better. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it's real, I would say a really individual process. You really want to evaluate your motivations, your reasons. If it's purely financial, then that could be a great option. But again, you never know, you might get a full four-year scholarship at a private college. Mm-hmm. So you definitely, if you're ready for college, you're motivated. And the only thing holding your fa- you back is money. There, there is a lot of financial aid out there. So I would urge students to definitely apply to scholarships. You can speak with the financial aid administrators at colleges directly. Like they want to help you contact them. I find students are often hesitant to like email the colleges, email adults, ask questions, but that's really encouraged. Like they want to help you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my, my brother-in-law, he's a pulmonary critical care doctor. He started off two years in community college, went there, did well, went to a university, then went to med school right after. It can be done.
0: Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think every, We all have a different path, and there's not a better or worse path.
1: hmm let's go into the actual college application itself. You know, I know for me, math was always my greatest subject. Reading, I always did poorly on, just because English wasn't my first language. Anyone who's going into the SATs, regardless if they're smart or not, SATs are very difficult. What tips do you have for someone or how can someone perform better in the SATs.
0: Luckily this year a lot of colleges have gone test optional and I think we're gonna see that trend continue. Similarly to the rest of the college application process, start early. I have st- students I work with who start preparing in ninth grade and they're getting perfect scores just because They're so familiar with the material, the question types. A big thing is reading. Like it doesn't even so much matter what you're reading. If you want to read Harry Potter, if you want to read microeconomics textbooks, but read, read high level text as much as you can handle. Read the New York Times every day because just want to get in the habit of like reading critical thinking analyzing ideas, and building your vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Um, If you learn, the SAT is really a test of strategy, which is why a lot of students struggle because you're not taught how to take this kind of test in school. Mm -hmm. It's a new skill. Um, But if you work on building up your vocabulary and reading difficult texts, and it's not gonna be easy in the beginning, but just getting in that habit, you'll find it much easier to do well in the SAT. Mm -hmm. when it comes to 11th grade, when you're taking the test, then if you start studying three months before and are just cramming all the information, it's really just a matter of learning the question types because it's a pattern. The same types are repeated over and over again. If you learn that pattern, kind of memorize it and then practice over and over again, you'll see your scores dramatically increase.
1: Is there specific books or specific classes people can take online that's either affordable or free?
0: Definitely there are a ton of test prep books um, for reading. I like uh, her name's Erica Meltzer. She has um, SAT and ACT prep books that I think are great and you can definitely like on Amazon get used copies but starting in ninth grade what I recommend students do is just get in the habit of reading. It doesn't need to be specific SAT material but it should be challenging text you know even if you read the news every day somewhere like the New York Times the LA Times that's free online and then discuss it like when you're done reading an article just write down okay what was the main idea what was the author's opinion what specific evidence did the author use to back up his or her opinion and that sort start of flexes your critical thinking muscles, which are the skills you need to do well on the SAT. Mm-hmm. The SAT, at least the verbal section, isn't really testing you on outside content. It's testing you on how can you critically analyze texts? You know, how can you apply the rules of English grammar? So just building that muscle, building that habit when you're reading a book, even if it's something for fun, even if you're reading Twilight or Harry Potter, ask yourself, okay, like, what is the author's point of view? You know, what evidence did the author use? How did the author create a story? Mm -hmm. What, what, where did the author use imagery? Like, if you can imagine everything happening in your mind and see it really vividly, ask yourself, how did the author do that with just Mm words? Like, start to think critically about what you're reading and analyze those texts, and that will really help. And it doesn't so much matter what you're reading, you should read what you're interested in.
1: Mm -hmm. And does colleges look at how many times someone takes, can you take the ACT as many times as you want? Or is there a certain number where they limit you?
0: Yeah, you can take it many times. I wish someone told me this because I just took it once and thought, okay, it's done. I didn't even know you could take it more than once. I always recommend that students don't take it more than three times. Um, You don't really need to take it more than three times. That's enough. Sometimes students think if I just keep taking it, my score is going to improve, but it's actually not the case. Like you really need to prepare and study and take practice tests. On College Board, you can find all the practice tests for free. So it really three times is the max. And I do recommend that students think about it like a big project. Actively start preparing at least three to six months before each attempt. Mm -hmm. And only take it again if you have time to study. Don't just take it again, you know, for fun or because you think your score will improve. Like you really have to put in the work.
1: Mm -hmm. Also, when it comes to the college essays, that is definitely a trippy part, especially if you're not good at writing. You don't know exactly what they are looking for. What are some things that the college admissions are looking for when reading college essays?
0: Yeah, so this is so much of the work that I do because I'm a writer myself. College essays are very different than essays students are writing for school. This is really your chance to demonstrate who you are how you think, what matters to you, and why. That's the purpose of the college essay. So it's not really a space for you to just write about your accomplishments. You know, I often find failures or mistakes are much more compelling to read about. College admissions officers want to see critical thinking, creativity, problem solving, leadership, That's really what they're looking for in the essays. So you want to be vulnerable, tell your story, and show insight, like show growth. If you're writing about a challenging experience, highlight what you did about that challenge. What did you learn? How did you grow from it? Like, that's really what they want to see, insight, vulnerability, and critical thinking.
1: They want to see a story behind the person, behind the application itself.
0: Yeah, who are you as a person, regardless of your grades and test scores, just because imagine there's, you know, thousands of other students with your exact same grades and exact same test scores, but they want to know who are you? Like, who are you as a person who's going to be coming to this place for four years and being part of a community? What are you going to contribute? What's your unique perspective? And I think this is really empowering, because by the time it gets to 12th grade. You know, you can't really change your grades. You can't change your test scores. Those are already done. But you have all these essays to write. And, and you have so much creativity that you can infuse in them. And this is your chance to really stand out. Mm-hmm. No one else is you. Like, you are 100% unique. Only you have lived your life. Only you have your own perspective.
1: mm mm-hmm. What are some of the biggest mistakes people make in a college application?
0: Let's see. So I would say just writing about your accomplishments. Mm -hmm. There's another part of the application called the activities list, which is similar to a resume where you can talk about your activities. So you don't really want to just repeat that. Another thing I see is students writing about someone else. So, maybe your grandfather really inspired you, but then students will end up writing the whole essay about their grandfather, and uh, and admissions officers will think, wow, your grandfather sounds great. I would love to admit him, but who are you? Mm -hmm. So, if you're starting off with a story about how your grandfather inspired you, make sure that that's a minority of the essay, and very quickly, you get into yourself. Make sure you talk about you. Mm -hmm. Another thing I see students, a lot of us have gone through challenges in our life. But if, it's a, if you're going to write about a challenge that's still ongoing or that you don't really have any resolution from, I would urge students not to write about that in their main essay because you really want to demonstrate insight and growth. And if it's an ongoing challenge or something that you're currently dealing with, you don't have that perspective yet. Uh, to be able to write about it, and I would urge students to write about that in addi- the additional information section of their application, but not for their main essay. Mm-hmm.
1: Besides what we talked about with the essays, what would you say are good components to a strong college application?
0: Leadership is really important, and leadership I often find students think leadership means, okay, you're student body president, but actually you can demonstrate leadership in so many ways. Say that you have three younger siblings um, and you're from a single parent household and your mom has to work really long hours. And every day you pick up your siblings from school, take them home, help them with their homework, make them dinner, that's leadership too. Write about that in your applications. Like college admissions officers need to know and want to know that. And that demonstrates so many important values like responsibility. It doesn't need to be something formal. Like oftentimes students are demonstrating these amazing qualities like leadership and critical thinking. And they don't even include any of that in their application. Don't leave anything out. Critical thinking and problem solving. So I say it's always more impactful to write about mistakes or failures. How did you maybe fail in something or what maybe you made a huge mistake, but how did you learn and grow from that experience? That's an essential component of college applications. Also that you've pushed yourself, like maybe your school doesn't offer AP classes. So you found AP classes at a local community college, or maybe you took college level classes online. Um, There are Thousands of free online college level classes taught by professors from like every Ivy League college that you can take online. If things don't work out, how do you find another solution rather than just saying, my school doesn't offer AP physics, so I'm not going to take it. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to demonstrate that you're able to solve problems. Yeah, those are the kind of key components like that you've pushed yourself to excel. You've demonstrated leadership critical thinking. A big component that I think is hard for parents to understand now, and this is very specific to the U.S. and other countries, college admissions is based really just on test scores, is what are you doing outside of school? How are you spending your time outside of school? That's really key. Like, are you, you know, I have students who are starting their own small businesses or teaching themselves new skills, like had a student who taught herself how to create these machines and make products from recycled plastic that she collected from her city. And she would make like coasters and cup holders and sold them online and made $25,000 throughout high school. Wow. So she wrote about that in her applications. And that demonstrates like care for your community and the environment, you know, leadership, rigor, So what are you doing when school's done? Are you like watching Netflix or are you volunteering? Are you teaching your brother Spanish? Like that's a really important component and you wanna kind of really think about what you're doing outside of school and be strategic about that. Pursue your passions, give back to your community. These are really important factors that are gonna help set you apart from other students with the same grades and same test scores.
1: Would you say volunteer hours and having a part-time job helps?
0: I would say community service is definitely important. Colleges are looking for students who are an active part of their community, whether it's formal or informal, like whether you have 60 hours that are charted on paper, or whether you just informally every week get groceries for your 95-year-old neighbor and make her meals Mm -hmm. it doesn't so much matter but as long as you're giving back to your community in a meaningful way having a part-time job I wouldn't say helps or doesn't help but it's definitely something that you want to talk about Um, and depending on what your job is if it connects to your passion or if it's something that you're doing just to support your family definitely you want to write about that and it's and it's going to be important that you show that in your applications
1: Mm -hmm. And Kathleen, do you have any last tips for high school students who are trying to figure out what they want to do in the future or trying to get into the colleges that they dreamed of?
0: So my students always hate when I say this, but my number one tip is read. Read some of these authors like Jack Canfield that you talked about, Brene Brown, Simon Sinek has a great TED talk on finding your why. Malcolm Gladwell, like take in information, learn from other people in your field who are successful and see what they've done. You know, TED talks are free. There's so much you can read online, go to the library, like look at other people who are doing what you do and learn more about them and then seek out opportunities. If you want to work at NASA, you know, Like, find internships in your community. Email adults who are doing what you want to be doing. I think people, like, want to help you. I think that's a huge lesson that I've learned and that I'd love to teach my students. Is like, send out random emails to a successful mechanical engineer who you admire, you know, and ask if he has any advice for you as a high school student. Like, people are really eager to help you, and and you just got to, like, ask for it. Mm -hmm. That would be my number one piece of advice and follow me on social media um i post a lot of good free information and content and tips to help high school students and parents
1: you brought up a good point about the networking portion because you know linkedin is a strong networking portion it, but back, it was made originally to find jobs but now it's made more to network with other people and i've interviewed several high school students who are entrepreneurs, and they use LinkedIn to message people they wanna be like. So if you want to become a doctor or engineer or an entrepreneur, whatever you wanna do, you can type in a specific keyword in the search or in a specific city, ask if you could do a a quick 15-minute Zoom session, ask if you wanna grab coffee, whatever you wanna do There are older people that are willing to help you. And if you message 20 a week, one or two reply a week, that's going to be so much. If you do that for an entire year, you're going to have 50 50 people giving you advice. Definitely. I think that's fairly reasonable. Um, I mean, take advantage of the resources because I graduated high school in 2009. Social media wasn't used as a learning platform. YouTube was the only comedy back then people didn't use these resources to learn we provide you right now
0: there's so much Mm -hmm. free information and content out there yeah kids today are so lucky because we have access you know to everything at your fingertips you don't need to travel to a different city to go to a library to read a specific book you can probably get it on audio for free online so yeah take advantage of those resources but you have to ask like you have to ask for help definitely people aren't just going to show up on your doorstep and say here's an amazing opportunity keep asking don't get discouraged when people don't reply or say no like just keep trying
1: mm-hmm. absolutely and I in every interview with this one question because my entire brand is based off of resilience I've interviewed I think you're my 68th interview I interviewed a lot of people on how they overcame struggles, and resilience ties in with the college application process because you may get rejected several times before you get your yes. What does resilience mean to you?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So resilience is a really important part of my life. I would say resilience is being able to have gratitude for your challenges and failures and being able to understand that the universe or God, whatever you believe in, like there, there's a greater plan for you that every challenge you encounter isn't meant to drag you down, but to make you stronger. And there's always something waiting on the other side. Mm. In the moment, you might think not getting into Harvard is the worst possible thing that could ever happen to me. But maybe you didn't get into Harvard so that you could start this podcast and mm. impact millions of people all over the world. Like there's always something better waiting for you so as much as you can don't get discouraged and know that you know there's a greater plan at work that you may not be aware of and I think we get very focused in the moment on oh this is terrible this is happening to me right now but you know five ten years down the line even six months you might create some amazing invention and be so grateful you didn't get into Harvard because then you'd be in the library all the time And you wouldn't have time to create this idea.
1: Uh And it has to do with friendships too. I I didn't get to University of Florida. Uh, I I really wanted to branch outside of my hometown. And I mean, for the first time in my life, I branched out. And eight months ago, I finally moved out of Tampa. By that time I was disappointed because I didn't want to go to my hometown college. I met lifelong friendships and I, I hang out with these people. These people have my back. And I would have never met these individuals if I never went to my hometown college. So it, it's valuable not only for your professional career, but also your personal connections and friendships.
0: Definitely. Having strong friendships, people who lift you up, support you is, is really important. That will help you become more resilient because you know that you always have people to share your struggles and experiences with Mm
1: -hmm. and where can people find you
0: yeah you can find me on instagram my company's name is the advisory la you can find me on tiktok at top college guru you can find me my website is theadvisoryla.com. and those are the places where i am i'm on instagram and tiktok every day and i post a lot of good free content on there
1: Great. Kathleen, thank you so much for being on this podcast episode. I really do appreciate it. And I thank you and applaud you for doing all the great work you're doing for students. You're truly making an impact.
0: Thank you so much for having me. This was great.
1: Okay. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast episode. If you haven't done so already, click that link in the description to learn more about my book called Never Fight Alone put your email in, put your name in to receive updates on when this life-changing book comes out and how you can purchase it. If you haven't done so already either, follow me on Instagram at Shlomo Salson. You're gonna see a personal site to me. You're also going to receive one minute snippets of myself and other podcast interviews. You're gonna fill your Instagram feed with a lot of motivation, a lot of valuable tips on how you can become resilient, confident, and successful high school student. So, until next time, peace.